Well, someone said it back. That's a plus. Yeah, there you go. That's the spirit. Join with me, if you will, in Acts chapter, uh, actually, chapter 9, the end of chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 32. And tonight is going to be story night. It's going to be story night because uh, we're going to look at it. Can you turn the mic down just a little bit, brother? It's kind of a little much. Um, we're going to be looking at a story as a whole, and it takes up all of chapter 10. So we're going to be doing quite a bit of reading tonight. And we're going to look at a couple things. It's good. You need to be educated, right? Who here knows you need to be educated in the Word of God? Anybody? Oh, about half the room. That's a plus. The other, the other half of y'all need Jesus. But we'll, you know, we'll impart grace. We're Christians like that. So join me, if you will, in uh, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 31. Nope, 32. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named... Um, I never had to pronounce this out loud. Ananias. There we go. Who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At uh, Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper, uh, upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by weeping, showing the tunics and garments. By the way, I don't really know if this is Dorcas, but I like saying Dorcas. Uh, it's probably not. <laughs> but uh, which Dorcas uh, had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he had stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. Now we're going to begin chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, uh, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. 
And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on his housetop to pray about the sixth hour, which, by the way, that's noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had uh, been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted them up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he had said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, For what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and he said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. 
the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remissions of sins. Now, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Let's pray. Father God, again, I just thank you for this night, Lord. And I pray, Father God, as we begin to speak about your scriptures, Lord, that you would give us softened hearts. You would give us attentive focus, Lord. That we would not be distracted and that you would move me out of the way, Lord, and just speak through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, quite a story. Quite a story. Now, it's interesting because... The book of Acts started with the apostles as a whole, and then it kind of zoomed into Peter, and then it kind of jumped over to Stephen, and then we saw Philip, and then Saul for quite a while, now we're back to Peter. And uh, as I was reading this, I was reminded of a verse that we've been talking about a couple weeks in a row, I think, at, at home church, but that uh, is, applies greatly to the passage we're reading, and that's Matthew 16, verse 19. And in that scripture, Jesus is talking to Peter, and really the whole of the apostles, but specifically to Peter at this moment. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this is a very interesting verse. And we have to understand that this is in the middle of a conversation that Jesus and Peter are having. And Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter burst forth. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Jesus says, good. Hey, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. He says, so now I will call you Peter, which means small stone. And on this large, gigantic stone, I will build my church. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so 
this proclamation that Jesus is telling Peter, man, I'm going to give you the keys to, to the kingdom of heaven, is in the context of building up Christ's church. Because that is Jesus' desire for you, for me, for our congregation, is to continue to build up the church and the body of Jesus Christ, which he spent his own blood for. And again, in Matthew 18, he uses the same phrase, and he says it in the context of church discipline. That the apostles, that they have rule, and they have authority over the church to manage it and to, do, and to, and to deal with it. And so just as a side note, as we're talking about this, we've, we've had a lot of discussion about what does it mean to, to bind or to loose things in heaven or on earth. And we've had a lot of good talk. And, well, um, I decided I would, I'd look that up. I wanted to, you know, let's, let's see what other people have to say about it. Well, what I found out is that that is actually common legal language in Jewish culture to mean to um, openly approve something, proclaim it as true, or to proclaim it as um, not, not necessarily false, but forbidden, right? Or false, yeah, false or forbidden to, uh, to bind it up, you know? And so that's kind of what he's talking about here, that the word of Peter's testimony, that word that you are Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, that that profession of faith was going to be the foundation of how Jesus built his church. And that by going out and proclaiming that, that Jesus was going to give not just Peter and the apostles, but all who seek to establish his church, the authority, the keys, right? The authority to work in the kingdom, through the kingdom, for that work to be accomplished. And so as we've been reading through the book of Acts, really that's what we've been seeing. We've been seeing Jesus fulfill this promise. That as they proclaim the foolishness of the world in Jesus crucified, that the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit has been with them to perform the work. So why all this, um, this great long passage? Well, we see a, a pretty amazing and pretty pivotal story in Acts right here. And we see the fulfillment of this. We see Peter... As he's going out through all the regions, all the parts of the country, it says that he finds a man bedridden eight years, and he tells him, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed and rise. Make your bed. And when that man responds in faith, boom, he's healed, and he gets up. And we see him being called over, right? And it says that after that man is healed, It says, so all, in verse 35, so all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him. And you know what happened? They turned to the Lord. Praise God. He used that to build up his church. And then he's called over um, to another place. And there's this woman, Tabitha, and she's dead. <laughs> he goes in and he prays to the Lord. And I guess the Lord told him, hey, you know, you're good to go. He gave him the green light or something. Because he just looks over and he says, Tabitha, arise. And she wakes up, and he lifts her up and presents her alive. And again, it says, and all the people in the region, they heard this. You know what they did? They turned to the Lord. Because that was God's will, to build his church. It's still the same will today. So we see this unfolding. We see him proclaiming the truth and showing the power of Jesus Christ that is with him. Right? That he has that open door, that open access to the Father. 
and all that's needed to perform the work ahead of him. But we're about to see more. Because here's the thing. Peter has already begun walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's already received the freedom that comes from being a disciple of Jesus the Christ. The same freedom that we've received in him. Freedom from sin and death. Freedom from the lust of this world being the only thing we can run to. Freedom from these things. However, he's still walking in bondage. He's still walking in bondage. And he doesn't even realize it. See, Peter is blind to this. And because he's walking in bondage and he's blind to this bondage, he's not able to properly free the other people around him from this same bondage. And that is God's will for us is to be free. Even with the Israelites, he called them out of bondage and into freedom. And all of the law, all the things he set up was actually to free his people to keep them from being treated unfairly, keep them from being uh, harmed and misused and enslaved. Even, even though he allowed slaves, he had precautions in there that after a certain time that they had to be freed. Because this is who our God is. He's a God of blessing, a God of freedom. So you're probably thinking right now, what bondage? What are you talking about? Well, I want to show you something. So Peter's a Jew, right? Everybody clear on this? Peter is a Jew, okay, and uh, so he comes from Jewish culture, Old Testament theology. He, I'm sure he would have traveled to the temples, and he would have done his sacrifices, and he would have met the feast, and he would have done all these things to worship the Lord with zeal according to the scriptures, right? And yet we see something very interesting. See, they haven't even brought up at this point the law in the book of Acts, other than maybe... Um, fighting with the Pharisees in the council. They might have. They've just been walking in this new life, and it's been amazing, and it's been explosive, and it's just been moving so fast. And yet we see something very interesting. It says it twice, starting in verse 35. No, I'm sorry. Um, starting in verse 43. It says, So it was that Peter stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. Everybody's looking at me like... Great. Okay, he's a tanner. That's a good theological point. Well, you know what it is. It says it again. You go down a little bit. And the angel tells Cornelius to send him to a house, to the house of Simon, a tanner, who's by the sea. Which, by the way, tanners use salt water in their work. So that's, he lived next to the sea. He, he mentions it twice, that this man is a tanner. Why is that important? Jesus was a carpenter. You know the Jews did not associate with tanners? Do you know why? Because they were constantly working with dead hide. And maybe even unclean animals as dead hide. So there was the issue of becoming ceremonially unclean. So uh, any, any smart, level-headed Jew would not, maybe <laughs> let alone hang out with a tanner, they would not be staying in his house. Okay, so we see very subtly that Peter, Peter's already starting to, to understand that he has more freedom than the law allowed. Does this make sense? Do you see where I'm going with this? He's already become a little bit lax maybe in this area. However, we, 
we discover an issue that God is trying to address. Okay. First of all, we've already had the uh, the Holy Spirit fall on the um, Samaritans, right? Down in Samaria, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. That was pretty cool. Jews don't like Samaritans very much. Who else don't Jews like? Gentiles. The Gentile dogs, right? And so we see that God is still working in Peter's life. And even though Peter has a zeal for God, even though he wants to worship the Lord, the things, the way in which Peter might be worshiping him doesn't necessarily please the Lord. And there are still things that he's trying to hang on to, still things in which he's trying to worship the Lord, which God has moved away. And so while he's walking in so much freedom, there's still, there's still this snare in his life. And not just him, but all of the Jerusalem church. And we're going to see this later. So let me show you what I'm talking about. So let's skip down a little bit. God calls to this Gentile man, Cornelius, and he tells them to call for Peter. So let's see what Peter was doing as these men come to pick him up. Let's go down to verse 9, chapter 10. I want you to notice it says that Peter went up onto his housetop to pray about the sixth hour, the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. Peter goes up there to pray, which, by the way, is probably a normal part of his lifestyle, constantly praying before the Lord. And it says, and then he became very hungry, very hungry. Hmm. Well, it is lunchtime. But I think it was probably more than a normal hunger because it says it seems that it came upon him suddenly. Right. So he becomes very hungry. You know what happens? In the middle of the hottest part of the day, he's up on a roof trying to pray. He's starving. God gives him a vision about food. Who says God doesn't have a sense of humor, huh? And so God lowers down the sheet and Peter's like, oh, man, what's in here? Got some white castle burgers. And he opens it up. And all these animals, clean and unclean, every kind of animal. And you know what God says? Peter, you're hungry. Eat, kill, eat. No, Lord. No, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Man, a zeal for the Lord. I would never do that. No. Man, God. Jesus is the master of trick questions and like setting people up, okay? Because right as he says that, he says, Peter, don't you dare call anything that I have cleansed uncommon. Or common, or, or un, unclean. Don't you dare call what I have cleansed common. And it says that this happened three times. And then it went up, and Peter's just standing there at a loss. What in the world just happened? He said, I thought these things were common and unclean. What's going on? And it says he was wondering about these things in his heart. What did the Lord mean? He was telling me to eat unclean food? Why would he do that? Maybe he's thinking about the death of Jesus Christ. Maybe he's thinking about that new covenant cup that he drank of with his Lord. I'm wondering how, what is the extent of this? What, is this what, what does this really mean on my life? And it says that as he was pondering these things, you know who shows up? Three Gentile dudes, two servants and a soldier. Say, is uh, Simon there? And this is where it gets really interesting. Because God is trying to do a work in Peter's heart. And we've already seen as we read through the story that through this work that God is going to open up the door of the gospel and the grace 
to a greater part of a nation. But in order to, do, to give Peter this freedom, he thinks he's serving the, the, the Lord perfectly, but in order to give him this extra measure of freedom and to impart a greater measure of grace upon the nations, he has to take Peter so far out of his comfort zone that God has to speak to him twice to get him to obey. First, he gives him a vision, and then as these men ask for himself, ask for uh, Peter, the Lord uh, tells him, go down, go with the men, and don't doubt anything. Don't doubt anything. It's a pretty strong word from the Lord. So he goes and he finds out from these men. <laughs> this, is, this is real funny. You got to think about Peter here, right? You got to think about what kind of mindset he's in right now. And let's see what these men say to him. It says in verse 22, he asked them, why'd you come? He said, Cornelius the centurion. So you know what he just heard? Not just a Gentile, but a Roman soldier, right? An unclean man, according to, to Peter. It says a centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. And so Peter invited them in and lodged with them. I can just imagine Peter going, oh, yeah, God's talking to Gentiles now, huh? Yeah, it just keeps getting weird around here, <laughs> you know? Whoa, whoa. It's just angels just showing up to everybody. So he doesn't, he obeys the Lord. He lets these men in. Now he's lodging in an unclean house with unclean men. And he probably feels a little uncomfortable. But the Lord said, go, don't doubt. So he goes with them uh, the next day. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna skip forward a little bit. Verse 25, he walks in and he sees not only Cornelius, but a whole, cr a whole crowd of people waiting for him. And Cornelius falls down and begins to worship him. And he has to pick him up and say, yo, dude, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm a man like you, right? I'm here on behalf of the Lord. But Peter, you got to think for how long did they say that trip was? Let me go back and look. The next day, okay, so about a, about a day's journey. So for about 24 hours, maybe, you, you know, a little longer, Peter is dwelling on what did this vision mean? What on earth is going on here? And so he goes into this house, and the lights click on for Peter. So he says in verse 28, he says, uh, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or to go with another, uh, one of another nation. But here's the revelation. God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I ask you then, why am I here? What reason have you sent for me? And so Cornelius tells him, look, I was fasting four days ago until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. An angel appeared to me, said that my, my prayers and my alms were remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. So I'm going to skip him down to verse 33. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. And he says, now we are all present to hear the things 
which God has commanded you to speak. And Peter gives an awesome message about the gospel. You know, I love uh, in all in Acts over and over and over again when they stand up and they preach, and they just give the gospel straight. This is who Jesus was. This is exactly what he did. This is exactly what it meant for you. And it was fulfilling of the scriptures. That's it. They didn't have a tactic. They didn't have a three-point message, right? They just preached the gospel. And he says in verse 34, I, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. And him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, and even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And so Peter, he has this understanding. It wasn't just food that God was interested in. All those things which God had called clean and unclean, he did for our sake so he could understand that he wants a people that are clean. That he wants a people that are separated out from the nations, from creations, that are dedicated to him. And that by showing that, yes, there is clean and unclean. And yes, that we are being defiled. And yes, we are in need of mercy. That it would ultimately point to his son, Jesus Christ. But him having come and having done his great work. That all those things, all those sacrifices, all those provisions of the law, all those testimonies of the Old Testament scriptures were fulfilled in Christ. And we were no longer slaves to the law. We are no longer bound by law, by religious works. They, can't, they could have never saved us to begin with, and that's not the way God works. And we know the scripture is very clear because the new covenant has come. The former one has passed away. Just like the glory on Moses' face as he shone, he hid himself from his congregation because the glory was fading. The glory of the old covenant and the works of the law was fading. And now we walk in a new freedom. And so God is giving Peter this revelation and this freedom in his heart that he no longer has to be bound. Not just to the law of yes, eat and don't eat, but also to be bound and to keep others bound by separating men because of nations or, or traditions or in our time we could say skin color all these things God says anyone I have called clean you shall not call common and Jesus is Christ Jesus Christ he did this work for all of us and so we're at the end of this and then the most amazing thing happens right 
It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. And many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked them to stay a few days. So we have to be careful, you know. First of all, we have to acknowledge, guys, that we're all in a very different place with the Lord. That we all, while we have the same God, the same spirit, the same baptism, in many ways the same calling into an eternal hope, we all have a very different walk. We're all in different areas of life. We all have different backgrounds. And there are different issues of our hearts that God is trying to deal with us in. But we have to, uh, we have to be very careful that in our zeal to serve God, that we're walking in freedom, right? And we're giving that same freedom to other people. You know, I can't help but just the, the common theme for about a, almost a month now has been this unity of Christ, has been breaking down and, and not being a stumbling block to others that cause division. And we see this even here that God, there was a division between Israel and the Gentile people. There was still a great division between, um, you know, Jews and the rest of the world, really, that God was trying to break down and that God was trying to open up a greater blessing that as, as those things get pulled out of their way, then the Holy Spirit was able to come in and to create such a unity. And we're going to see in the, in the following chapters the amazing works he, do, he does. But we have to be careful that the things that we're zealous for, the way that we worship God, and the way that we look at other people, is it really based, is it really based on the sacrifice that Christ made and the new covenant that came with it. Because it's very easy for us to try to hang on to a part of a law. Maybe a standard that we see from the scriptures. Maybe a law that we made up for ourselves. About what holiness should look like. About what faithfulness should look like. About what justifies somebody. Because if it's anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ, we're wrong. And so we have to be careful that we're walking according to the scriptures and that we understand the fullness of Jesus' new covenant, right? And all that he did for us, freeing us from the law, freeing us from the former things, freeing us from condemnation. And that should first start by freeing us from the pointing finger that causes condemnation. So, you know, I don't really know, I don't really know what this message should mean to you in your life specifically, right? I don't have a, here's exactly how to practice this, hoorah, let's do it. But I know that the Lord wants to move us into a, a realm of greater freedom, and he wants to give us freedom so we can impart freedom to others. He wants to take us out of bondage 
and he wants to to do a work in our life so great that you're going to have to be willing to move pretty far out of your comfort zone and, and for for him to do it you know and those things we know to be true so i just want to pray tonight that whatever god has for you from his word in this that he'll impress it on your heart he'll impress it upon you with conviction and that we'll just joyfully man we'll just joyfully be reminded of the work Jesus did for us and walk in whatever ways he has set out for us. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the sacrifice you gave your own son. Lord Jesus, your own blood spilt out on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord. And Lord, I'm thankful that uh, you don't leave us weak in faith. You don't leave us lost without understanding, Father God. You don't let us continue to walk in ignorance or, or in bondage to the former things that you've already done away with. But gently and pow yet powerfully in your own way, you come and, and speak to our hearts. You open up doors for us and for others to receive your grace, Lord. And you're constantly with us, moving towards us, rebuking us with love and growing us in understanding. And so I'm just thankful for that tonight, Lord. I'm thankful that you've given us, um, you've given us a way of understanding through your word and through your Holy Spirit. So I pray, Lord, that we would all walk in the freedom that you give, Father, that we would not uh, devote our zeal and our passion into things that you are not commanding us, but that we would walk in fear before you, Lord, and just... Have a joyful spirit of obedience. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.